145 of the Better Yet Podcast. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet! It's a long-form interview podcast featuring musicians talking about influence, talking about writing, and talking about being around. After the interview, I said to Isaac, you know why I love the song, Angelus? It's that one background tone that just holds from the beginning to the end. It'll make sense that conversation it'll make sense how we got there isaac eiger strange ranger is on the show this week very engaging conversation for you my guy came with things on his mind and i was eager to have him over strange ranger an extremely great indie rock band from philadelphia by way of portland by way of bozeman montana good one in store for you today uh, and a rare recorded intro where I'm joined by all three, Chloe, Lily, and Hadley hanging out with me in the studio. We got a live show this Saturday, December 7th at 3 p.m. Doing a live episode of the Better Yet podcast. Um, that sure's for those who tour house, which is in Lincoln Park here in Chicago, Chloe and I. Just Chloe, I think. We'll be joined by Namdi, Kayana, Avery Springer, and Seth Engel. If you are SVP'd, I hope you can make it. Space is very limited, but sure gave us an opportunity to do something very dope. And of course, we'll be recording it and we'll be dropping that one in the feed for you next week. Nice little medal to put uh, on the end of the year. The end of the decade, two reasons that we were everybody's just putting all resources into making lists. Uh, not that we're above doing some of that inventory over here. We are exploring the end of the decade over on Patreon. Patreon, of course, is a way for you to help support the show by pledging a monthly amount in exchange for bonus audio content. We got postcards, mixtapes, all for you over there at patreon.com slash betteryetpodcast. Right now we've been going through the 2010s, the decade that was, doing little playlists grouped by 
time periods, something a little bit different than just the top 100 LPs of 2010. Um, got other things that are going on over there. Patreon, a couple bucks a month goes a long way to help support this thing of ours. All right. My guest this week is Isaac Iger, a strange ranger. Strange ranger is a band started by Isaac and Fred Nixon in their hometown of Bozeman, Montana, originally under the name Sioux Falls. Isaac and Fred would move to Portland where they'd become part of a bustling little DIY scene. The bands like Rod and Snow Roller. They'd release their first LP, Rot Forever. This incredible, earnest expression, very tactile portrait of youth and growing up in a place like Bozeman, Montana. They'd go on to change the name of the band to Strange Ranger and have continued a steady output of EPs and full lengths that have shown such tremendous growth in between each release, 2017, brought us the LP Day Moon, and this year we've got Remembering the Rockets. I was excited to have Isaac over. I've enjoyed all phases of this band, and I was looking forward to getting into all of those ten poles and seeing how so much creative growth has been nurtured, and we got right into that lovely interview for you. So let's get to it. We'll start with a song. This is Leona, followed by my interview with Isaac Iger. The cars come by. Selfishly, we're gonna make it out okay. Right. It's like we're, I'm trying. To, we're trying to get. Yeah. Oh, you got that neck crack going on. Yeah, dude, my uh-huh. back has been so fucked. Yeah. You know what you gotta do. Neck. You gotta. You gotta work on that core. I know. That's what I it's, hear. It's tough. Hear. It's tough, and I've been dealing with it too. Cause I'm coming yeah. in here. I'm coming in here at, at nine o'clock every morning. Like I'm on the clock looking for a job, and you know what I'm doing. I'm just hunkering down yeah. i'm just getting yeah. more rounded in, into yeah. my little like you know caveman shape the same honestly <laughs> it's, i don't know i try to work on my posture but it's never seems to stick yeah for sure so where'd you grow up um i grew up in bozeman montana okay um fred and i who plays bass and has been in the band uh with me the whole time um we grew up in bozeman and um yeah then after high school when i was like 18 we uh moved to portland oregon yeah are your folks still in bozeman mm-hmm. what's uh so what's bozeman like uh, i think i looked it up a little bit there's dinosaurs there right there is there's i grew up right by the museum of the rockies actually yeah. which is like the kind of like jack horner dinosaur center uh-huh. of the universe um so yeah, I used to go to that dinosaur exhibit when I was a kid, and it was awesome. Oh, but also just generally, Montana is a very popular place for like paleontology. So there's like Jack Horner, yeah, sure. who's the basis for like Sam Neill's character in Jurassic Park. Oh like, really? Like is lives in the area. Wow. Um. So he, hates, so he doesn't like kids, but then 
then he he met a couple and he really likes them now that's all that's all jack what's his name jack horner jack, jack horner. horner okay well that's really cool yeah so there's i think you especially <laughs> i feel like you know most little kids love dinosaurs and it was just like museum of the rockies is like famous for its dinosaur yeah. exhibit because it's like because like jack horner is involved um, so there are just these like massive skeletons and like replicas of dinosaurs. Yeah. So when you're, that's awesome. Pretty cool. it, I went back when I was back in Bozeman recently, I went uh-huh. back there for the first time in years and it was pretty cool. Yeah. It holds up. It's not just, um, like... it doesn't hold up like I would like it to. Right. Because like when I was a child, I was like dwarfed by all of the, you know, these like massive dinosaurs. Uh-huh. And now it's like, they're still bigger than me, they're but not even it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't feel like insane in the, yeah. in the way that it used to but it's a cool like nostalgia kick thing like going back there because it's right by my house too. right right absolutely we st- we got sue down in uh downtown chicago we got t-rex it's pretty i dope. don't know i'm not yeah. familiar with that <laughs> <laughs> so are you uh what do you what do your folks do are they in the dinosaur game uh no they're um they're in the uh they they're scientists they're professors oh wow um my dad is uh he teaches cell biology and physiology and my mom teaches neurobiology and runs and she like does research too neurobiology Mm -hmm. so do you do you talk to her about like what like i guess what sort of uh what's what sort of specialties uh she in on with that because we were just talking about we were just talking about freaking hemingway's brain getting damaged from all yeah my mom would probably have some stuff to say about that yeah (laughs) Um, she her focus of study is this um, disorder of the autonomic nervous system, which is like the part that kind of like regulates all your internal functions, like waking and sleeping, your uh-huh. heart rate and your lungs. Um, and it's called familial dysautonomia. Um, to get, I don't know. I feel like it's it's lame to talk about infinite jazz, but I saw you you got those copies, and yeah. the only reference I've ever seen to familial dysautonomia in media is in infinite jest. It's the uh-huh. the younger brother. Yeah, character. How? No, Cal's younger brother. Oh, okay. Has yeah, yeah, yeah. dysautonomia. And that's oh. it's like a really rare disease. Uh-huh. It's only in like the Ashkenazi Jewish population. Yeah. Um, there's probably you know, it's in the thousands of people who oh, have wow. it. And it's just like wild that that's that book is the only reference I've ever seen to it. And yeah. that's what my mom my mom, that's her field of study. So you read that book? Mm-hmm. You like it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did. It's, I I think about it all the time. Yeah, it's really good. I read that book uh I read that book during a during a hard winter. And I was like, "Am I an alcoholic?" And I got sober six months later. I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if it was like. I mean, there were other factors, obviously. Yeah. But it's like, it's he. I I love the way that that book just takes its time. It's so freaking pedantic. And then there's that section where it's just like it's just that two pages of like that statements where it's just like it's yeah just oh like my god the most tender yeah, i know writing i know and it, is oh my god it's, it's like, too bad i feel like um it, it's become like really kind of pretentious and lame to talk about um that book yeah um because it is just like so silly it's like so huge and like it's yeah it's like absolutely unnecessarily like, like detailed and stuff so i totally get the kind of like backlash against it but i i, I really like that book yeah i feel like the um I feel like it's so self-aware mm-hmm. and it's probably not uh, when when people are making fun of it. Like there's that like Twitter where the person eats a page of Infinite Jest every day. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel I, I think that like people might not know that it's 
also aware that it's like absurd. It's such an absurd book. Totally. And I think what turns a lot of people off too is this kind of like, he has this tendency to like, you can see him like kind of fighting with himself because he like kind of wants to show off because he is like really smart and yeah. and capable of like kind of performing these amazing like, you know, feats of writing. But I think he's like really kind of ashamed of that tendency too because he, I think he just wanted to be like, you know, a pure writer. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I think the, you can kind of see that tension in his writing where on one hand he's like trying to impress you in this kind of like desperate sort of pathetic way. Mm-hmm. And then on, but then there's, he, there's also this like tenderness and like yeah. kind of realness to it. Yeah. But I, but basically I totally, I totally get why he's seen as like kind of the representative for like everything awful about like white male writing. But yeah, I also just, I think sure. that that is a really good book. It is. I, it's, it's so. all of those things. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's all of those things. Do you have siblings? Mm-hmm. I have a little sister. Yeah. What's she up to? Um, she's in school outside Boston. Um, and she's studying, um, like computer science and uh-huh. also kind of has a, I think the major is technically social justice actually. But, oh, okay. Um, so she's like, um, she's really, really cool. She's like really, uh, um, politically, um, focused. Fuck yeah. Um, that's good. And it's like an organizer and, yeah. and stuff. And then, um, she also does computer science. So there's obviously like a, uh, a pretty high, like median IQ in your household <laughs> growing up. Was there, was there music in the Um, house? my parents don't really, I mean- I feel like I have it. I can accidentally. I can't tell. I feel like I kind of oversell the extent to which my parents didn't listen to music, but uh-huh. they also, <laughs> when I meet boomers, like baby boomers, who do listen to music, I'm always kind of surprised. So I think that, like, my my mom loves Neil Young, uh-huh. and so the main thing that was played growing up was Neil Young, which like obviously had a huge impact um, on yeah. you know what I like about music, but they really. And they also lived in San Francisco in the 80s when, like, a lot of punk was happening. And they just yeah. are totally unaware of it. Oh, that's so like, funny. Like, they just, um, my parents are awesome, but they're they're definitely, uh... They're nerds, it sounds like. They're no very offense. they're very focused on, you know, their, uh, their studies. Yeah, for which sure. I, which I understand. Like, I, like... So, how, how do you remember, like, getting into music? Um, I remember, well, okay, so again, like, see, this is why I might be kind of exaggerating. My parents bought me a Jimi Hendrix CD when I was, like, five. Uh-huh. His greatest hits. That's um, awesome. And that was kind so of the my one first. the one with the purple cover? Yeah, the one with yeah, the purple cover. Yeah, the one with the purple discs, cover. yeah. It rocks. Um, oh, and so that was kind of, I was, like, obsessed with Jimi Hendrix when yeah. I was a child, like, totally. Like, I had, I had a picture of, I had a poster of Jimi Hendrix on my ceiling above my bed, which Hell is, like, yeah. totally creepy and, like, Freudian or whatever, but, <laughs> um... Like I, I, and I still love Jimi Hendrix. So Jimi Hendrix was kind of the entry. And then, um, when I was like, like a kid, I like tried to start playing guitar and I just like didn't stick. I mm-hmm. wasn't, I wasn't into it at all. And then when I was like 11, I saw school of rock and I wasn't <laughs> motivated to start playing by like being inspired. It was like, I was like jealous that my dad thought the kid playing guitar was cool. Oh, so I literally okay. that night, like there's there was like an acoustic guitar in our house, and I like started playing guitar like uh-huh. that night to kind of like. Well, whose guitar was it? Um, it was my dad's guitar. Uh-huh. He didn't. He doesn't really like like he, like quote he just, like plays. Yeah, he has okay, like a, sure. like a really shitty acoustic guitar. Uh-huh. Um, but I remember like picking that up and like starting to play because I wanted to, you know, feel cool or something. Dad, 
dad look what i yeah, can do yeah exactly <laughs> um and then i just kind of got like really uh really obsessed with playing guitar and like for many years i i was you know i was like a guitar player you know uh-huh. i didn't i and at that point i was like listening to when i was like when i was like obsessed with guitar when i was like 12 or 13 i was listening to like the Red Hot Chili Peppers were like my favorite band. Yeah. Um. And you're so like playing, I worshipped John Frusciante. Yeah. yeah I worship. I still like love John Frusciante. I think he's really really good. I wish that they they made those records and they they made a an option to just listen to the Frusciante part. Of yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. He's yeah he's so good. Um. And then I think like the. I was I was really into like shredding too. Uh-huh. Like I used to rent back when Netflix was like you'd you'd get stuff in the mail. I yeah. used to um. I used to get there are these like series of concerts called like G three, which is like Joe Satriani and Steve Vai. I don't know if you do you know those guys. Yeah, They're like yeah, shredders. Yeah. Um, then they would get like one other like John Petrucci from Dream Theater, or, like Ingve Malmsteen, to, uh-huh. and, and like to play a concert with them. And they're just like the most just totally absurd, like dumb. Uh-huh. It's totally ridiculous, and I was just eating it up when I was like twelve or thirteen. I was just like riveted by the shredding. Yeah, I used to order like Guitar World magazine. Oh and, like, sure, yeah. You know, I followed the whole. Death Are you obsessive? And... What? Are you obsessive? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I definitely. Uh... You get you lock into things and De- yeah, like it's like yeah. all right, I got to, I got yeah. to, I got to be able to do what those guys are doing. Definitely. Did yeah. you like take lessons or was it? I you... took. So I took lessons for a few for probably five or six months Uh when i was like 11 and then in seventh grade the school i went to had a really really good music teacher Mm -hmm. named eddie suru and so me and my friends used to just go to like the music room and like jam Mm -hmm. um at lunch every day and that was kind of like i was and and eddie suru was like I'm um, just really instrumental in like kind of encouraging me and yeah, that's you know. awesome. Yeah. So is is are, do you know Fred like all the way back then too? Well, so the funny thing is, so I met Fred when I was like 14, uh-huh. but the but the like I would have met him anyway because we just went to the same high school, right? But the way I heard about him was so Eddie T, who was my music teacher at that school that I was going to in middle school, gave I think Fred like private lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like trying to start a band and stuff, and Eddie was like, "You should this like Fred guy is like pretty good." Um, and then we just met in high school, and then we started jamming. And I, w- I was at the, I was in another band um, called Anders with one of with like one of my best friends. And then he went when I was like fourteen, and he was a little older than me, so he went to college. Uh-huh. And 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 I got uh, the timeline's getting all fucked. But oh, you're basically, good, you're good. while I was in Anders, I started jamming with Fred and this other kid. And then when Anders dissolved because my friend went to college, then we kind of started taking the other thing more seriously. And that was yeah. that was Sioux Falls. That was Sioux Falls. And so that was the. It's been the same, you know, ever since. It's been you and Fred ever since. Been me and Fred ever since. And and you've been like you've gone through so many phases together. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think? What is it about about the two of you that allows you to like just continue on this plane together? Do you think? Um, I think we. I don't know. We we've we we have like kind of similar musical values. I think like we tend to like similar things. Like I think when we were in high school, we were both really obsessed with Modest Mouse. Yeah, sure. Um, so that was kind of like the the 
intense like bonding right. that happened and then since then even though we you know kind of like did the modest mouse yeah thing and like and just uh-huh. you know kind of like listen to different stuff now i think there's still kind of like a a shared um like idea of like what what when a record is good and like the i feel like there's something there's something to be said about like like you listen to like what's at the very core of like lonesome crowded west if if that's if that's a record that you fall in love with everything moving forward whenever you can find just like the absolute like pit of emotion in a record that can go back to that it's like oh okay cool like things can be different moving forward in terms of like what kind of music it is but if you find that common thread of just like yeah because there's there's so much just like raw emotional value totally and stuff like i've been friends with with my friend my friend scott for going on 10 years now and and we we trace so much back to just being into bright eyes when you're 16 totally like like, yeah that kind of shit like i think really uh, makes a mark on you yeah um it had to be like i mean especially for like for people from a place like montana which i've never been to but i'm just envisioning it compared to the music that you are making as sioux falls it's just very western definitely kind of definitely and i think we definitely viewed ourselves in that light like certainly early on like we're we're like from montana and that like uh i i remember we would kind of talk about how um just sort of like the geography of like records and yeah the music we were making felt very like western and montanan and i feel like we get especially our earlier stuff is always like pacific northwest but i feel like in our minds, it's more like Montana, which right. is like not really Pacific Northwest, right? Because it's like I, I feel like there's a little bit more of like a desert quality to mm-hmm. it, and is that am I am yeah. I on there? Yeah, I I think the kind of like a you know just kind of thinking about this kind of like stark landscape. It's like dry and yeah, yeah like desert like with like mountains. I don't know, but also there was this when I was um when I was like fourteen. My dad had a teaching assistant named Rob, who I found out when I was fourteen was had been in this band called the Touchers. Uh-huh. And I like I don't remember how if I found out about them through Rob or if I I remember looking at them on MySpace though when I was like fourteen, and the singer, um, had died like five months prior to me finding out about them. Oh wow. Um, and I was just, basically I got totally obsessed with this band called the Touchers, who are uh-huh. from Bozeman, Montana. Oh wow! Um, and like, it's like it's like cow punk or whatever. It's just sure, like really, yeah. really good pop songwriting with kind of like this like kind of like rugged, gnarled uh-huh. Western element. And they're still one of my favorite bands of all time. And Fred really and Fred got really into them too. So that felt very Montana, and that that was definitely that's was a huge influence on. Uh, that's probably like the biggest influence on like, our, like. My early songwriting. When so, I was did, so did you? Do you talk to? Is it Rob? Is the name of the teaching assistant? Mm-hmm. Are you like, 
hey, I found your band. Were you? I were... haven't talked to him in years. Really? I don't know if he knows like uh-huh. how big of a deal. Because the other funny thing too is that my, for some reason, like there were, like his computer was at our house, or like my dad got his computer, and he had all his music on it, and that's I found like Granddaddy and Built to Spill on oh, his computer, and I remember fuck. not liking yeah. Built to Spill because I didn't like the guy. I didn't like Doug Marsh's voice. But, yeah. You know, later I came to love it, but. Yeah, it's funny. There was just this like this dude, and for I you know I found out about the Touchers, Granddaddy, and Bill to Spill, which are probably like you know, yeah. Some I love some. those Granddaddy records. Yeah, Jason Light also lived in my hometown when I was oh, growing wow. up. Oh wow! And my like ex girlfriend was like kind of like friends with his girlfriend or his wife at at the time, but uh-huh. I never um, I never um, met him, but I was like I worshipped him in yeah. high school. So was there were there places to play in Bozeman when you were in high school? Uh, not not really. Like there isn't there. You know, we were like the only. There was when I was in high school. When I was like fourteen, there was this older band called Leaves in My Sleeves, um, who were very like kind of like you know two thousands indie rock, and I thought they sure. were cool. Yeah, but they were older than me, um, and I didn't. I later if you became school, friends yeah, with one of them, but right, but there. Besides them, and that kind of disappeared pretty quick. Once like we started really making music, um, there wasn't, there weren't really other indie rock bands. There weren't really like, you know, nobody like played shows. There was a cover band in my high school called the Atomics, which played like, you know, Crazy Train and right. stuff. Who were like uh-huh. they were like really <laughs> huge at my high school, but the there was we there was like nobody to like hang out with and like play shows with and stuff. Besides like you know me and Fred. So is that why you moved to Portland? Mm-hmm. Um. I guess with um, with your parents in the fields that they're in, you not going to college and it, saying I'm, yeah. I'm moving out, I'm, I'm moving to Portland to pursue my rock and roll dreams. It was definitely kind of controversial at first <laughs> for a long time, but I think um, I think they're 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 pretty they're pretty psyched now. My mom yeah. just came out and saw us in Atlanta with Chastity Belt, and it was like a really good show. And I think that was oh, that's awesome. Really good. Yeah. What's she doing in Atlanta? She was doing a work thing in Athens. Oh, okay. She just happened to yeah. be there? That's mm-hmm. fucking yeah. so sick. Yeah. So what was going on then, I guess, when you go to Portland? Like, Portland's kind of one of those places that when people talk about it, they very rarely talk about, like, what's happening right now, like, in the underground. Totally. It's all, like, totally. You, live in, you live in Portland, which is, I mean, especially reading, like, the Sioux Falls write-ups where it's, like, this band sounds like Modest Mouse, and they're from the Northwest, yeah. just like Modest Mouse. <laughs> yeah, they moved yeah. to Portland, where Built to Spill was yeah. based. <laughs> yeah, um, I think so. Right now, or a lot of our friends have left, honestly. But like while we were in Portland, there was an a crazy amount of like great music yeah. being made, and is still being made in Portland by like you know people that we know. But like um, good cheer records, yeah. Rod, Rod is like Rod. Yeah, so the that band, the band Rod, is one of my favorite bands ever. Yeah. Um, this guy Tommy, um, is a songwriter, and that band. It's hard for me to get like really psyched on, just like pure like guitar rock music at this point. And Rod is like one of the only bands that I'm just like, I just love them so much and i think his songwriting is so beautiful and i think his voice is like so just 
It's very, very emotional yeah. and without being like cloying or like overly right. sentimental. Like I end the song. It's just like Rod is like one of the my favorite bands ever. Um, that so sh- there were yeah, yeah so that there was shit's fucking. Uh-huh. So there was stuff like that, and like one of my other friends is like in a band called Lil Star, which is just like uh-huh. so beautiful. And so there were there was like a lot of really really good music being made, but there wasn't. And so there was like a cool little scene, but in terms of the kind of like gatekeepers of the Portland music world, like none of them gave a shit at all. So uh-huh. the kind of scene that was being supported by the the sort of infrastructure or whatever the Portland music scene was just like mostly just like. I fucking couldn't stand and was just like so worlds apart from like the stuff that our friends were making which was like really special yeah yeah um so where was that stuff happening was it house shows house shows um diy and like some diy spots like there was there's a place called blackwater which is a really really cool diy spot that still exists um there was like this anarchist info shop called Anara's, which shows used to happen at, and then just like houses. And houses were always kind of popping up, getting shut down. Yeah. Um. There's like the like the sort of like judicial. I don't know. Like, it's hard to have a sustainable house venue in Portland. Yeah. Um, sure. Uh, and then it's hard because of these like really intense liquor laws to have like a good DIY space in Portland. Uh huh. So things were it was kind of like whack a mole. But Fred and I um lived in a house for the last few years that we like would have shows and that was really really fun and like i know other people had awesome awesome spots what was that house called um we didn't really call it anything. oh okay yeah, yeah that's fine it's, um, it's just i i find it interesting because i you know have been reading up on you a lot and you know not not only the fact that portland music is not really discussed when people are writing about the fact that you're from Portland, Mm -hmm. but the fact that you're like so involved in what's happening in the underground there, there's just very little, um, writing that's devoted to that fact. And I, yeah, cause all the writers live on the edge of the country. Like there's no, like when I'm talking about like infrastructure for like music, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about where the writers who are living in Portland were totally not at all focused on anything that our friends were doing. I mean, they would like pay lip service to it every once in a while, but like yeah, the sure. the kind of like the way like the Portland music the the way that the Portland music scene views itself had you know did not include any of these kind of like young really really cool bands. It was all you know like psych rock. Not that the psych rock is inherently bad, but it was just like stuff. It kind of is. I, I I mean, I like some of that stuff, but just the the bands that would kind of get, like, popular amongst, like, grown-ups in Portland, sure. I just thought, like, fucking sucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that, and, that, that, that's, that happened, that kind of had its phase here, where I, I just looked at it, and I just saw, like, pure testosterone, and I was like, get the fuck out of here with this stuff. Yeah, it was just, it was just, like, really, just, like, all the songs, I just thought, like, all the songs were bad. Right. But, um, but yeah, we were very much part of, like, a real, like, music scene in Portland. It was really cool, and it was yeah. kind of the you know, childhood fantasy fulfillment, like, we're, like, you know, doing house shows with our friends, and it was, like, a really, really... Right. Splits um, with really special Snowroller. Totally, like, Snowroller Rock, shit. and, like, yeah. they were, like, our best friends, and we would tour with, like, the early Snowroller tours um, are, you know, some of my best memories, and will always be. Just yeah. going, just, like, touring the West Coast, and 
just doing being on tour for the first time. Is like, it still happening out there? Is it still because I feel like the yeah, what there's I definitely was, still yeah. a cool scene out there. I think a lot of people have moved away. And yeah, like, we're part of that. You know, for so sure. So I think I think things are kind of, you know, um, I I think things are definitely still happening. I think it's probably like different. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't think I would like recognize a lot of the bands, but I, I know that there's still really yeah. cool stuff going on. Like That's there's a really good, cool band, yeah. Alien Boy who are um, our friends and, and from Portland and still live there, and they do tons of cool stuff, and they have friends who do cool stuff. That's know? awesome. Yeah, looking at, like, the Discogs and just seeing, like, you know, man, like, that, like, stretch of, like, 2014 to, like, 2017, like, before yeah. you left, it was like, man, that's fucking yeah. magical. Yeah, it was crazy. There's bands. this great band called Blowout, and... Oh, yeah, I know Blowout. Um, yeah, I mean, Blowout. they're the Portland oh, music, yeah. that... It's like, I, I'm... I, like I know that there's still really cool stuff going on there, but I think for me, like the stuff I get nostalgic for is like, yeah, 2014 to 2017. That was kind of just like, yeah, it all just like as, and I'm biased too because that's like, that was kind of like my equivalent of like college years. You yeah, know? It's for like sure. The first time you did all these things and like uh-huh. met all these people, and it was just like really special. How's Philly been? Has it been good to you? I like Philly a lot. Um, yeah, it definitely, like in Portland, it took us about three years for things to get cool wow. and we've been in philly a year and it's cooler than portland was so that's oh, wow. good but it's definitely i mean it's hard to make friends in a new city you yeah know? sure um, especially when you're gone for totally long stretches totally. of time but um but you know i think we're i think we're getting there but i like the city a lot and i like living there um what's your what's your relationship with rot forever like I'm kind of interested to know. Um, I think that that was like definitely the record that we had wanted to make since me and Fred started playing together. Yeah, you know, in high school, and then we made the record. Um, kind of knowing that we would want to do different stuff as soon as we were done, mm-hmm. and then we, you know, did different stuff. Um, it can be like uh. I think I that record is like a such a kind of like concentrated just like just spewing of like angst and yeah resentments and stuff so I I definitely like regret a lot of like lyric I'm pretty embarrassed about like aspects of that record but I was also like like 20 when I wrote most of those songs so um I definitely would not I would definitely not make music like that now, but I think like I I totally get why people like it, you know. I I that's kind of, you know, what I was that's where I was leading, I guess, with mm-hmm. the question and the, with the way that I asked it because I you know what what I love about that record is how you're so 20 years old yeah. on that record. Yeah. You know, the, just yeah. that sense of like I need to put everything. Yeah. in here. Yeah, it's all the emotion of being young, being too smart for your own good, and like I also like. It's funny how you you get that you get that out, and then a couple of years later, it's like, oh man, that's. So much. Yeah. There's so <laughs> yeah. much there. I just, there are just so many moments on I'm like, oh, fuck, I wish I hadn't said that. That is just like so dumb. But, um, 
what are you gonna do it's it's on Bandcamp forever so but and it's like it's not on spotify though which i found interesting it well, is on spotify it's, it's just on, on their name you yeah that's a whole other that's a uh-huh. whole other thing but yeah. um but yeah i mean i don't know it's weird like if if i had heard that record when i was younger i think that would have been like exactly what i wanted to hear yeah so i think it's cool that we made that it's exactly the record that you wanted yeah. to make right um, then and there and also what you want then is like pretty attainable from music you know you just want somebody to like kind of bear everything to you yeah um really cathartically and with you know just like with tons of bombast and so it's like that's kind of an attainable musical goal you know it's like we worked really hard on arranging all those songs getting everything together um and then I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Cause like I still, cause every, I feel like at the, you know that that whole record builds that last line of you know just wanting to to put something pure out there mm-hmm. and and genuine. Yeah. And not detached. Yeah. And it's I think it's something that is very particular to that age. I think where you're like kind of you're wrapping up being a teenager you're starting to go on to this thing you're feeling disconnected from that part of yourself that you're that you're no longer a Mm -hmm. part of and you're starting on to this new thing and you're not sure what you're like allowed to be i don't know like yeah to me it just it felt like kind of an encapsulation of all of the feelings i had been feeling you know, from, you know, 14 to 21 or, you know, which is, you know, what that is what that is. <laughs> yeah. So and the annoying thing about the record, I mean, this is totally obvious, but is that it um, it positioned us as 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 being seen to have certain musical qualities that we no longer have. Uh huh. So I think we kind of. You know, like people will say that our new record sounds like like bands that I just don't have never listened to before because yeah. they kind of like project these sort of qualities onto it because they like the first record. Yeah. So that can be like, I mean, it's dumb. It's fucking awesome that anybody likes anything that we do. Yeah, sure. Uh, like that's amazing. But that part of it can be a, just a little frustrating where. Like we were hanging out with this guy the other day who has all these like really amazing modular synthesizers and he was like wanting to like hear our music and stuff and then he was saying like it sounds like like Cocteau Twins and like I love the Cocteau Twins. Yeah. I would love it if we were compared to the uh-huh. Cocteau Twins but instead um, You're compared to Third Eye Blind. Well the thing is too it's like I also really like Third Eye Blind uh-huh. and I also kind of had this amnesia thing that happens where like when we were making this last record, we were certainly listening to the Cocteau Twins. We were also listening to Third Eye Blind. So it's like at this point, I've kind of like disconnected from the Third Eye Blind part of myself and only very immaturely, I only want to be compared to the Cocteau Twins. But that's totally ridiculous because the record we made also sounds like Third Eye Blind and that's fine. But I'm not in that the Third Eye Blind thing doesn't bother me because that's like so obvious and was also intentional. And even though maybe right now I don't want to make music that sounds like Third Eye Blind at the time in which those songs were written. I was clearly listening to Third Eye Blind. Yeah. But I'm talking just more like, like I've never listened to, what's that fucking band called? The Promise Ring. 
Uh huh. But but like people say that this thing sounds like the promise ring, and that's maybe it does sound like the promise ring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that. Okay. So that's probably part of that too, which is right. also frustrating. It's just like, <laughs> and I just feel like a baby could even being at all bothered by this stuff. But it is like you know you want to because you want to feel like the music you're making like reflects what you like about music. Uh-huh. And you want to believe that, like, when you make something and somebody likes it, they and maybe this is like totally narcissistic and lame, but you, you, you want you want them to like it for the reasons that that you think it's worthy of being liked. Uh huh. Um, and so, when a bunch of people are saying it sounds like this thing that you don't really like very much, it kind of feels like like you fucked up or something like I accidentally I put so much in this thing and it accidentally turned out like something I don't like uh-huh um so like what does that say about you know my ability to make things like I think it's just says like, more about like the writer's shorthand uh, yeah. or like they're I'm not even like, talking about just writers I'm uh-huh. talking about just like people, people. yeah uh-huh um I guess is it is it something that like you know like making a song that sounds like third eye blind is it's cool and it's obviously got like pop influence but it doesn't really have much like ethical like spirit to it is it is that like part of the disconnection that you're thinking that there's that like they're like bad people or something no or? no no not bad people but it's like it's like i i don't think i don't think uh third eye blind did the amount of like self-reflection that oh that's not that's not i'm not right. that's not what i'm talking about. i'm not, talking not you Isaac, it's just but like modest mouth oh, Isaac, right um, you know what i mean no it's not that and it's like i think a lot of it too is that if you listen to early modest mouse it definitely has a kind of like i don't know i don't know it's just i don't even know it's fine like and I and again I just feel so dumb for even being bothered by it, but it's just like, yeah, you just want to. You when it's like um it's totally it's amazing when people connect with something you make, um, and it's just confusing when they connect with it for reasons that you didn't intend which is just part of it and i recognize yeah, that like you right. know you're, you're putting things on the world you have no ability to to say that like to say no, like oh like, no no it's not like that it's like this from. yeah it's just like it f- freaks me out because it makes me feel like i have these sort of like l- tendencies in my writing that i can't control and that end up transforming the music into something that I wish it wasn't transformed into, like, uh-huh. like, like you know, it, maybe it, it does end up sounding like the Promise Ring on accident, even though I've never listened to them. And then it's like, why can't I make something that I think sounds exactly the it, way I wanted to? You know, it, I don't know. It sounds like the Promise Ring in the and maybe the Promise Ring the, are great. I don't know. Never, well, it's just like it sounds like the Promise Ring in that the Promise Ring probably also played like out of fender amps and like <laughs> shit like that right it's know. like yeah i don't know i think it, it, it is interesting though because it's like it's like if you're 
if you're making it for this reason and somebody else is seeing something different in it, are they missing the point entirely? Are they missing like the most like profound thought to it? Are they or are they using you as just like a vessel into the thing that they already like and that's all that matters to them? I think it's like yeah, I don't know. I feel yeah, I feel I don't know how to talk about it. Um I get you though cuz I think that I th- there's like a there's an amount of like of to me it sounds like there's like it has an ability to kind of like block like your expression to like wonder like is this what I is this what I want or is this what I am like unconsciously like directed towards because of an association that's not even my own yeah yeah I I really don't know yeah. I don't know and I like and I, and I think part of that is because of the first record you know there's a lot of you know, you know, we were just, we were, we were listening to like Bear vs. Shark and stuff that I think is, is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but maybe now I wouldn't want to make a record that sounds like that. But, um, I think, so I that, think that like, kind of, um, I don't know. Yeah. I think that going through your, going through your catalog and going from those early songs and then seeing a much more like pop focused, material at least in the fact that you have choruses on your new record like there's still aspects of that ephemera that have carried over and like the music that is underneath and on top of all of those songs is very distinctly yours cool and holding on to what you are all like not only capable of but have shown like the ability to grow into is all you need to focus on cool that's very nice (laughs) because i yeah man i like listening to listening to like the newer songs like listening to that you know instrumental that leads out of leona it's like oh i see that in the first record it's a lot cleaner now and it's it's just got like a briskness to it that is exciting to me and I think anybody who's watching you, who's been watching you, is following along cool. on that path. And for that, like, those are things that I'm always excited about. I think that's like, I, I think that you have an ability to contain, or you have ability to maintain the growth that you're doing and to allow that to be the only guiding principle you need. Cool. Thanks. I can imagine shit getting in and being like, well, what the, f- like, that's not what I intended at all. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? What? Uh, mm-hmm. That's, yeah, man. I mean, especially, like, I just had, you know, I, I see, like, so much of your surroundings in the contemporaries that you were playing with in that music that doesn't have an attribution to the way that Rot Forever is described. Mm-hmm. And... I I really love that expression that you have on on there and I know that you're a little embarrassed mm-hmm. about it now but like I sent that record to the same I can't believe this happened I sent it to the same person who we have that bright eyes connection oh cool and I'm like I'm like this record I just want to 
drink a 40 outside and listen to this cool. and like argue about something yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's yeah. crazy that you did that as a three-piece too you did the how long were you playing like as a three-piece that just, that record just feels so huge well i mean it's got overdubs on it yeah we just did totally. all the overdubs but um no we i mean we were a three-piece up until uh touring on the second record I mean, we've 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 always and we've always been a three piece in the studio, actually. Uh Like we've only ever. Wow. Well, it's only just me and Fred and then now Nathan. And then we had a, you know, a bunch of drummers before. Did you have the same drummer on Rock Forever as you did on on Day Moon? Mm -mm. No, we worked. No, uh, Ben played on the EP before a Raw Forever, and then a couple splits in Raw Forever, and then Nathan played on Daymoon and uh, Rockets and like etc. and the stuff we've been. Dude, I love the way he plays drums he's on really, Daymoon. Yeah, he's a great drummer. Like those beats, and like especially like the program beats that you have on there too. Like, on Daymoon, the program beats. Yeah, are, I don't think there's program beats. So, or it sounds like there's a on Rockets like, or on Daymoon. There's definitely program beats. On, yeah, on, I don't remember if there's Daymoon. I love those. I love those beats so much because he's playing off of, especially like the acoustic mm-hmm. instrumentation that you have on that record. I love that like Thanks. combination. Thanks a lot. Yeah, Nathan's like an amazing musician. He's a great guitar player. He's a great like saxophone. He's a great songwriter. He has a band called Cool Original, which is awesome. Oh, um, I know that band. Yeah, I mean, that I bet you, I bet band, you like yeah. that. They're really, really good. Um, but yeah, yeah, Nathan's an amazing drummer. Sunbeams through your head, and you you do this too on on how it all went by. Like you, I, I feel like you use those EPs as really like a different type of blank canvas for yeah, kind it's of the fun in to between. Kind of hit a reset. I'm kind of so I really I I I th- I'm I think Sunbeams was pretty cool. That was our friend Mac playing drums. Yeah, he, he's now the guy who designs our posters. Oh, word. he's in all our art. He's like really really talented too. Um. So yeah, I'm pretty proud. I like uh, I like Sunbeams, and then How It All Went By. There are things about it I like, but I think I think that was another thing of us kind of shooting ourselves in the foot, making something just kind of like I think we wanted to make something that sounded like radio rock, like semi sonic and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and then I think it accidentally turned into a little more pop punk yeah. than we would have from well, my vantage point now. Well, yeah, 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 of course. But I think that. You know, if you're trying to to step away from that sort of aesthetic, I think it's kind of dumb to just like dive right back into it. You know, sure. But I'm I mean I th- I'm I'm proud of like those songs, and I um I think there's really cool stuff about it too. I guess when you're looking at like Day Moon, you were talking about wanting to do things differently. Was that just kind of a was that a product of of rap forever being like the thing that you wanted to do for so mm-hmm. long and then being done with it yeah um for sure because the songs are just so concise in comparison mm-hmm. and it feels like very deliberate on your part mm-hmm. to especially have lyrics that are just like very focused on one thing or one scene uh i don't know i think the that's fun. That's interesting. Um, from I feel like the lyrical shift from the first one to the second one, it's like the first one was sort of like airing every grievance and just like, you know, just going just like so many 
so many lyrics. And then the second one, um, I think it's more spare, but I don't know if it's more, I don't know if I'd call it more focused. I think it was kind of more, um, with Rot Forever, I think it was pretty like, the emotions were pretty like clear. Mm-hmm. And then with Damon, I think it was, I was thinking a lot about, um, oh God, it's funny when you repeat things that you said to other people in the past, like publicly, but when, um, I remember on that record thinking a lot on Damon thinking like, you know, when you're like in a dream, um, things can happen that, that don't make sense like in like a linear way uh-huh um but they still feel like emotionally like they make sense right you know what i mean like if somebody if i see somebody and he's both like my high school debate coach and like my mom or something you know uh-huh. and but then they're the same person and you're just like yeah that makes sense yeah um yeah. so you had and i just remember wanting to capture like this feeling of things being kind of like like narratively incoherent but there's still being a kind of like thread of like emotional truth to it uh-huh. like kind of where the logic doesn't really work but it still feels like true or like it hits in some way right so yeah so that's i think that's what i was trying to cuz i i i i feel like you know, one of my favorite songs on that record is Subaru. Cool. And it's it's a really dope little bit of like only the amount of exterior information that you need. Mm-hmm. Like the most yeah. important thing is that that person's on the roof. Yeah. And they're <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. And like you you let that be the thing that like really lingers and you give like only enough of like a backstory whereas like on rot forever i think like there would have been a whole verse devoted to like the things that your parents say yeah yeah totally totally i think it's just more spare um and minimal but what were you reading at the time like does that does that how heavily does that influence like your your lyrical content yeah i don't know i don't remember what i was reading in 2017 do you remember i guess do you remember then like i can tell um, you like i was like listening to like the microphones a lot. Yeah. And Elliot Smith. Is that where the like kind of those like drum and like acoustic passages? Come yeah, from? I just remember um feeling like I wanted it to feel like this like very like, lived in space. Yeah. Like I wanted the record to feel very physical and uh-huh. like uh just tactile. So there you see you, you could kind of keep all the sounds that you might cut. Like right, just like right. the little like knocks of the guitar and like slides of the strings, just like all I wanted it to, because it was we recorded it in our basement, and I uh-huh. wanted it to feel like, um, not. I just I wanted it to feel like, uh, like a yeah, it's like a physical space kind of. I think that goes kind of into the the idea that like. The Sioux Falls stuff is is so Bozeman. It's so like that type of landscape that you're mm-hmm. trying to project, and and this is also an expression of like sort of a, a different type of physical 
playing that's happening. Yeah, yeah. The funny thing too, I think that the f- first record is like it's like you may you maybe you call it more Montanan or something, but we recorded it in Portland. Like uh-huh. we didn't record it, and we had been right. in Portland for years. Yeah, yeah. But I think it still is the kind of like, um, like product of you know our years growing up. But yeah, the 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 second record, I wanted to feel like you know like our basement, mm-hmm. just like a. A place where like people live and stuff. I guess was it difficult for you to trim down in the way that you did after doing Rot Forever, which had no, so much. I don't think so because I, I mean, it still has almost as many songs as Rot Forever. They're just not as long. Yeah. Um, because I think, I mean, Modest Mouse and like those those kind of bands have huge jams, and you know, Ellie Smith doesn't have huge jams yeah so it's like you um and like i loved elliot smith in high school he's the best um, yeah he's like probably my favorite songwriter ever yeah um i take him for granted sometimes yeah uh, but I he's mean, he's so fucking unbelievable he, he rules but um so yeah it's like we just don't want to do jams anymore there's no need to yeah like, we, you did, did we did you we did we did a bunch of jams yeah i think you know and like I don't think that having jams would have made Damon better. I, you know, I think it's yeah. just that that it, that wasn't what it was. So when you're when you decide like you're done with Portland, moving to Philly, is it? Oh, you gotta get you gotta get that. Gotta to go to a chiropractor. Um, you, I guess when you when you do that, is it? Do you feel like you've just sort of hit your ceiling in Portland? Is it? Do you feel like you're? wanting to go somewhere where like being coastal is going to be to your benefit as far as well yeah how we were, doing we were, this band yeah we were because what we would do is we would drive across the country so we could you know play the four you know big east coast cities and right. it's just like why are we doing that it's uh-huh. crazy and then it's also like we lived in the left half of the country for ever and we i would you know i think we all wanted to try something new live in the east coast yeah and I, I mean, I always like being on the East Coast, and I, I mean, I'm really glad we moved. Like, I feel, feel uh, really good, you know, living there. So. Yeah. So tell me then, I guess, about the evolution of of the band from from that point on, because it's it's you, Fred, Nathan, and then you got Leona's in the band now, right? Fiona. Fiona. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's um, easy to. Leona's the song. Yeah. Um, and you know. Is, has it um how has that evolution sort of changed things for you is it did you kind of it sounds like you and fred also you know you move cities and then you also make the band a little bit more of a thing that's not just you and a drummer yeah like uh i guess so i guess the timeline is we we were a five piece towards the end in Portland, like for live stuff. Uh huh. Um, and then we moved to Philly and we did this whole kind of roundabout thing where we left Portland in the summer, went home to Bozeman and recorded the bulk of Remembering the Rockets oh, in wow. my parents' house. Yeah. Um, and then we went and like worked on a farm in Colorado while uh-huh. it was being mixed and then toured to philly huh and now we live there um interesting so yeah so the record we recorded the live drums for the record with our friend who recorded raw forever 
we recorded the live drums in the studio um, space, and Nathan did that. And then we made the like dr- sample, or we made most of the the samples and drum stuff that isn't live with our friend Dylan Howe mm-hmm. at his house in Portland. And so yeah, we took that stuff to Bozeman, and then recorded everything else. Yeah, um, and then my friend Harrison mixed it. That's awesome. Um, I love the, I love the way the guitars sound on on Rockets. Thanks. They're just so like shimmery. Yeah, I mean chorus pedals. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And chorus pedals are they're tough because you you turn that up like one notch too many. It's like no. Yeah, it can no. get really dumb really quick. Yeah. Um, but you started writing choruses, which is crazy. Are there chorus? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I there, are, there kind of, are. Maybe there are. Yeah, I guess I guess Leona clearly has a chorus. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I I I kind of look at it as like um I just don't I don't really think that much about whether or not it has a chord. It's like does it have like hooks or not uh-huh. kind of. And I think there are uh-huh. definitely like like deliberate like this is a hook. Yeah. Um on the new record. There's um, so many much hooks. more so than in the past. There's so many hooks. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean we are I mean you want to you know, the cure's got hooks, and you wanna. Yeah, you no gotta kidding. have hooks. No <laughs> kidding. So I guess like you're, you're on you're on tour. You've been you've been touring it pretty heavily for the for the year. Mm-hmm. And now and so now we're we're five piece again, um, and it's we we have Tyler playing guitar and um, Nathan drumming, Fred playing bass obviously, and then Fiona uh, playing keys and singing. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, we're gonna try to record. Another record, uh, as soon as we can. Let it, uh, let it come how it comes. Yeah. <laughs> don't let any fucking, don't let anyone tell you what it, what it is. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Thank you. What thing from twenty five years ago it was. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we've just been touring a lot. On yeah. The, and it's been really fun. Awesome. Well, it was great talking to you. Thanks, thanks. for coming out. Yeah. Man. Thanks so much. All right. Have a good time. Yeah. That was good. Hey, great stuff. Isaac has done so much growing over the course of the short history of this band. It's always encouraging to sit with someone who has such a passion for creating and for absorption. You can hear the way he internalizes the music that he loves and filters it into his own records. I think that it's a very real dilemma that can enter into one's brains when you're creating something with one thing in mind, and then you hear it compared to something completely different. We always find a way to stop ourselves from allowing that output to come freely, but in the case of Isaac, or anyone for that matter, if it's working for you and it's been working, you just gotta continue to trust it. That conversation was fulfilling for me in all kinds of ways. Appreciate Isaac coming over. Check out Strange Ranger online, strangeranger.bandcamp.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, rate us, write a review, 
The website is betteryetpod.com. Email betteryetpodcast at gmail.com. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash betteryetpodcast. A couple bucks a month goes a long way. All of God's money, our tribute to Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is available for pay what you want on our Bandcamp page, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. And thank you so much. Thank you, Chloe and Lily and Hadley. Thanks to Isaac. Live show on Saturday. Hope to see you there. Come back next week. Thanks, Bubba. Wake up, Maggie. I think I got something to say to you. It's late September and I really should be back at school. Turned it